Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, let us consider Zechariah, priest of the temple in Jerusalem, husband to Saint Elizabeth, who is a cousin of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Zechariah, father of Saint John the Baptist. A few moments ago, our choir chanted Canticle 16, or the Song of Zechariah, in the place of the psalm. Our choir chanted the very first words out of Zechariah's mouth after a nine-month period of being struck dumb. Now, of Zechariah, we know extremely little. We know nothing about his youth or life other than he is the son of Barachias and of the lineage of Abiah. That is to say, he is of a priestly family and he himself serves as a temple priest in Jerusalem in the service of Judaism. We know Zechariah is married to Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. Mary and Elizabeth's mothers or sisters. We know also that Elizabeth is a daughter of Aaron. Now Aaron was the priest in the time of Moses and the man from which all temple priests descend. So we know his credentials, we know his pedigree, and we know it is very good. It is impeccable. St. Luke in verse 6 of the first chapter of his gospel tells us something of his moral character as well. St. Luke records this, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, blameless. So not only is Zachariah's pedigree of note, of worth, he and Elizabeth are also holy and righteous folk. They are considered by Luke blameless which is no small thing. They obey every commandment. They are kind, they are charitable, they are loving. They care for the poor and the orphan and the widow. They are, by all accounts, saints, deeply religious, good people. But an interesting thing happens to Zechariah the priest, father of St. John the Baptist. It is his turn to offer sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem and as lats are cast, that's how they decide who does what job among the priests, Zechariah draws what is considered to be more, one of the more important, prominent jobs, offering incense at the altar and intercessing for the faithful during the service. And as he is offering incense and praying for the people, the angel Gabriel appears to him at the altar and tell Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth, who is old, who is barren, will conceive and bear John the Baptist. And what does Zechariah do? Faithful priest at the altar of God, he doubts Gabriel's words. And for doubting, he is struck dumb. As they converse, as this takes place, Thousands stand outside the temple 
in prayer. Thousands begin to worry because Zechariah is delayed. They wonder, has the Lord struck him down? Has he seen a vision? Zechariah finally does appear, supposedly to give the ritual blessing to the people to end the service, but he can do nothing. All he can do is wave his arms, make signs, and hope the thousands understand. Like any good priest worth his salt, Zechariah doesn't go home. He finishes out his temple duties, then returns home. And for nine months, for the entire pregnancy of his wife Elizabeth, he utters not one word. Surely this doesn't go unnoticed by his townsmen and his kinfolk. A faithful priest and citizen struck dumb. I often wonder at this. The nine months muting of Zechariah is only given one sentence of treatment in the gospel. But that's an enormous thing to happen. And I'm struck most because this doesn't happen to an unfaithful person. It is not someone who curses the Lord or who neglects the Lord, but a man of great faith. This muting happens to a man in the midst of him fulfilling his religious duty and obligation faithfully. And it doesn't just last for a day or two, but for the better part of a year. What did Zechariah do for that year? What was his life like? How did he manage? This was in the day before iPhones and iPads, in the days before typewriters, in the days before pen and paper really were easily accessible. What did he do? He and his wife Elizabeth advanced in years, her pregnant and he unable to speak. Three things come to my mind considering Zechariah, a warning, a blessing, and a lesson in faith. I think the plight of Zechariah serves firstly as a warning to us all. Here we have a man who was devout, who kept all the laws. Here we have a man who was kind and generous in giving, who was loving. Here was a man who had faith at the center of his life. And here we also have a man who doubts the message of Gabriel, who doubts the power of God. How easy is it for us to turn our own faith into a mere set of regulations and expectations? Of course we are supposed to be kind. Of course we are supposed to go to church. Certainly, we are supposed to pray for others, to be generous and kind and giving, and those things most of us do, or we would not be here this morning. But how often do we doubt the power and the action of God in our world and in our lives? How often do we doubt that which we cannot explain? How many times do we doubt the still, small voice of God offering us opportunity, pushing us in a direction, calling us to be more? How many times do we doubt or ignore the voice of God that calls us to be holy, to be that which we least expect? Because Zechariah did what most of us do every day, lived a faithful life, 
but yet doubted God's power. Zechariah was given a blessing, not allowed to hear himself talk for nine months, not allowed to talk to others. And the blessing in that is silence. How odd it must have been not to be able to chant the services of the temple for him, to not be able to respond to the questions and comments and concerns and needs of Elizabeth, his wife. How hard was it for him not to discuss the politics of the day with his friends, not to argue over sports or philosophy or anything at all. In many ways, Zechariah was completely cut off from the world for nine months. Now think, if you will, what it must be like not to have the ability to speak. Imagine being muted for nine months. It would give one an abundance of time to listen, to think, to reflect, to be still. Not being able to hold conversations or argue or converse with others leaves a tremendous amount of time for a person to think. And you have to remember there was not television back then either. There was not newspapers in large print. Gave you plenty of time to think. Now admittedly, having all this time, this free time, is a danger. For two things can happen. First, not so good. Zechariah could have become bitter and hate-filled at what God had done to him. He could have rebelled against God and God's judgment. He could have become selfish and self-serving, angry, hate-filled, but he did not. Although we can't say for certain what Zechariah did with his time in silence, the first words out of his mouth when he is able to speak tell us with some certainty that he indeed used his time wisely in a holy manner. Eight days after the birth of John the Baptist, they gather for his circumcision. And they ask Elizabeth what the name of the child will be. Zechariah is still not talking. She says, John. And all of the people in the room are amazed because no one in their family is named John. So why in the world would they do that? Zechariah confirms it by writing upon a tablet the name John. And as soon as Zechariah writes the name John, his mouth is loosed, his tongue. And the first words he declares is the canticle we sung this morning. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. The first words out of Zechariah's mouth are praise for God and an acknowledgement of his power in this world, of his salvation, of his activity. For nine months, Zechariah had thought about his doubt and his lack of faith in God's power, had thought about God's actions and presence in his own everyday, ordinary life. For nine months, he watched in silence as the child promised by God grew in the womb of his aged and supposedly barren wife. For nine months, he watched the same thing happen with Mary. 
Zechariah no longer doubted the power of God. His faith was deepened to the point that every word uttered was a prayer and a praise to the living and the true God. Now, pious legend holds that Zechariah was killed by Herod right after the birth of our Lord and Savior. Herod undoubtedly had heard of his story, the man struck dumb, and he made sure when he was out slaughtering all the male children under two that they took care of Zechariah while they were at it. Elizabeth and John escape under night's cover. The faithful and loyal and believing Zechariah, Zechariah, priest of the temple, stands watch in prayer and vigil as Herod's fury and madness sweep the land. And it costs him his life. But he does not doubt. He praises God. Brothers and sisters, during the season of Advent, we are asked ourselves to prepare for the coming of the Lord, both in his nativity and in his second and glorious coming to judge the world. We are asked to fast, to make special acts of devotion, to extend ourselves to others in charity and kindness, especially the poor and the widowed and the orphan. We are asked to be silent to be patient, to watch, and to wait. So let us learn from Zechariah, who did those things for nine months, who waited and watched in silence, who prayed and reflected and thought about his God, what his God had done in his own time, in the history of the world, and in the world around him. So let us contemplate these things with the godly priest of the temple, what God has done in our world, what God has done through our world, and what God is doing now. For I guarantee you, if we stop and make the time to be silent, to be still, to sit and pray, to watch and to wait, we will come to see God more clearly, nearly, and dearly. We will come closer to God in real and meaningful ways. If we would but take the time to pause, to reflect, perhaps we too could come to make every word we utter a prayer and a praise to God as Zechariah did and be an, an encouragement to all around us. And that is something that this broken world sorely needs. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.